Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the only show, we're pretty sure, that brings you the best, the brightest, the strangest TV shows and films available to stream right from your home. In an ocean of streaming networks vying for your attention, we are your lighthouse, your beacons of broadcast, your curators of content. Killed it. I killed it with COVID. I mean, that's pretty impressive. COVID killing. Yeah, this episode so, sounds uh, a little different than normal. Uh, why is that, Chris? Yeah, so you might notice the uh, timbre has changed. We are recording remotely because I have been diagnosed positive, tiffly charming. Uh, no, I've been diagnosed with COVID-19, as many of us have over the, the past year and a half. Uh, I feel marginally unwell, but not so unwell that you need be concerned. But of course, I uh, do not want to infect my fellow co-hosts or anyone else. So I have remained in my home for the last four days and I will be doing so for another six uh, at least. So we're going to, we're going to be doing some episodes remotely for the time being. Uh, I think I caught it from my son. Still love him. Don't worry. Uh, so <laughs> that's good. We're, we're all good just making do. You're not going to hold this against him his whole life. No, 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 no. Hey just son, will you clean years. your room? Oh, you, you're not going to. Oh, remember that time you gave me COVID? <laughs> uh, yeah, I gave you shelter and you gave me COVID. Fucking patricide, my dude. Kids, mm. kids will kill you, man. They'll kill you. Indeed. Literally, it seems. So, you know, it's it's been a thing. It's been a rough few days, but at the same time, uh, I'm trying to see the silver lining. And uh, I've had ample time to watch TV shows and, and movies and think about the podcast a lot. Um, we had that wonderful three-way the other day. Um, yeah, so that did. was cool. Um, yes. Phone call. I mean, I don't know what anyone else thought where <laughs> uh, we discussed the future. Oh, of the I show. probably do have COVID, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and as you pointed out, Andy, it is not sexually transmitted per se. So I think you're okay. Um, so that's, that's a, a bulk of what I've been up to is uh, getting COVID uh, and watching TV. So there's a lot of cool TV shows and movies on the horizon. And uh, I'm excited to have the time. Uh, nay, the pleasure of delving into all of them. I am, however, chagrined. I have to miss the movie premiere of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. By the time you hear this, I will have missed it for quite a few days in a row. And I also do not get to see House of Gucci on Thanksgiving Eve, as was my plan. Um, very upset about that. Or, and, you know, go to Thanksgiving. Well, I was leading up to that, <laughs> but it was in descending order of disappointment for sure. <laughs> um, you know, Andy knows me well. It's, I'm not, I, I'm not a family guy per se. I got, I got my wife and her family and uh, nobody from my tree. So it's like holidays aren't like a woo for me, um, but movies are God damn it. And uh, I'm Google for Gaga. Love me some Ridley Scott. So, Madam Driver, Andy, are you driving for Driver? Uh, yes, I had to come up with something. <laughs> it needs work, but it's the best I could do on short notice. Yeah, so I'm upset about that, but everything else should fall into place. I, I actually do enjoy going to her family's for Thanksgiving, so I'm pretty bummed about. Uh, hopefully, they drop me off a fucking plate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool. Hint, hint. Yeah, no, I don't think they listen to the show, Steve. Well, I don't know who I'm hitting at. Enzo would mail in. me a plate gladly. I'm sure. We'll, we'll send them an anonymous uh, from an anonymous source. They'll get just an audio clip of this one section where it's like, oh, hey, I hope someone uh, gives me a plate of food. Uh, sick dying person over here. Phil's going to drop me off a plate, but it's also going to have a note 
with uh, all the synonyms for plate that I should have used. <laughs> dish. <laughs> d- d- dish. That's the only one. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Spread. Platter. Um, yeah. You might hear some tinkle tinkle. That is uh, not. Don't be alarmed. That's my iced coffee. And there's oh, some tinkling sorry. going on. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't know we were that kind of podcast. So tonight's episode, uh, next Friday, will be the release of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's newest film, which I won't get to see that either. God love me. Uh, Licorice Pizza. Um, And we're very excited about that. Huge PTA fans for the most part on this show. So we wanted to do, we're of course going to do our normal crossing crossing stream segment. Uh, We're going to delve into just an overall discussion about Paul Thomas Anderson, our relationship with his work, some of our, our favorite movies of his and uh, in anticipation of licorice pizza that's going to drop out later this week. But yeah, it's been interesting, man, uh, you know, because the last time that we were quarantined as a nation, I was quite well and healthy throughout the entirety of it. So Tiger King much- won. <laughs> yes. Actually, you know what? I don't know if I told did I tell you that joke already. Yeah, yeah, you did. It's insane, Steve. I don't think I told you. No, you didn't tell me. So, so we were quarantined in March of 2020, as was the rest of the world. And right at that time, that's when Tiger King dropped. Right. So the day I got diagnosed positive with COVID and found out I was stuck in the house again, Tiger <laughs> King two was available on Netflix. And I was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, we're not fucking doing it. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so I did not watch it. And I refused to. Um, so yeah, so that's what I've been up to. I'm still quite sick. So hasn't been all fun and games yet. Uh, I am looking forward to the hail and healthy second half of my quarantine. Cause that's always fun. You know, you just, putting around the house like i feel great but i'm not doing shit because i can't uh, <laughs> i've got <laughs> no an guilt, excuse no guilt. um so that's cool i'm pretty excited right now i'm just like i can't get up and i want to because i gotta pee uh so let's dive right into crossing streams but first uh uh to, <laughs> to just co- totally go against my my diving metaphor i want to do a few business things really quick you can subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things that's patreon.com slash streaming things listen to our beetlejuice and, episode yeah we just uh, re- recorded a beetlejuice episode very excited about that we got some uh spider-man's episodes coming up and uh, we also want to do a deep dive into season one of the witcher in anticipation of season two <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> on patreon all on patreon.com slash streaming things there's multiple tiers to subscribe subscribe there um, the COVID is, is it's, it's befuddling me, it, befuddling yeah. my tongue. Yeah, I have a uh, COVID brand. I have nodular gonads on my vocal cords as Steve uh, <laughs> talked about. Oh, you want me to get the camera? <laughs> yes, please do. There might be some dinosaurs running around down there. Um, <laughs> and also if you, you know, if, if you're financially uh, distraught, like most of us on earth and you, you can't contribute that way to the show, you can uh, do so in a number of other ways that are very, very much free. You can uh, go to, iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review the show that helps boost us in the algorithms. That would be wonderful if you could take the time to do that. Um, We can look at our, I don't know if you guys know this, but we can actually look at our download numbers and the number of reviews that we've received, do some quick arithmetic and realize that most of you have never done that. Uh, So you should feel shame. Uh, (laughs) If you ever seen Big Mouth, the shame wizard should probably be visiting you just about now. Or Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Shame. Yeah. yeah. Shame, shame. Shame. Prancing you naked through the streets for not reviewing the show. I mean, that's, that's the price. Lasso lady. Yes. Yes. 
So please take a moment to do that. You can also just, you know, even more simply, just email the show, streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Let us know what you like and don't like about the show. Say hello. We love to hear from our listeners. So uh, feel free, uh, not only feel free, but please take the time to do that. We love that. Um, but yeah, also you can follow us on Twitter at streamthingpod. Sorry about that. That's at streamthingpod. And you can follow us individually. I'm at C. Michael Wrights. Andy is at Andy most days. And Steve is Steve May 13. Steve May 13th of his name. And I do, do follow Steve May 12. I do want to give a quick shout out uh, to our Patreon members who are keeping the lights on, as it were, for this podcast. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Carmelita. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Enza. Thank you, Cake. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Jimmy. And thank you, Sarah, for giving us your monies and letting us keep doing what we love to do here on the podcast. Thank you all so much. And uh, we need some more subscribers. So Andy's going to be able to get a webcam for these remote recordings. So <laughs> yeah, right now, so we're, beautiful face. <laughs> we're all on a zoom. I can see Chris in his office. He's got all his movie posters behind him. You got me in my kitchen slash office area. And then I see a black screen with white text that says EOS webcam utility connection. Not there. <laughs> and I assume that's Andy. I had some work with done. The red X. <laughs> <laughs> had some work done. Yeah. That's Andy's face. Um, so yeah, you know, we appreciate all that you guys do for us. And uh, that brings us to our crossing streams segment. COVID or not, that brings us to the favorite part of everybody's week. You ready to cross And we cross streams. Mm -hmm. We talk about the movies and TV shows that we visited since last we met. Andy, the hell has your sexy ass been up to? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I have to confess something, and it's going to blow your goddamn little mind. Chris, well, I have it. was it little? Steve? I don't know. I just, at some point in mid sentence, I decided to make it an insult. That's going to blow your tiny mind. <laughs> your little bitch ass baby mind. That wild blown will still not grasp the full consequences of what I'm about to impart. I had never watched the Chappelle show. Chappelle show, Chappelle show, Chappelle show. Woo-hoo. Ever. Woo-hoo-hoo. That is insane. I had seen like clips on YouTube and I've watched a bunch of his stand up. Uh, but had never actually watched the show. And just like, it's one of those things that kind of like the Goonies was for me, where it's like so culturally relevant at all times that like I knew stuff about it, despite having never actually watched it myself. And I was very familiar with like a lot of the skits, but had never actually watched the show. So I did. And I watched the Chappelle show. I've not worked. There's like three seasons. I think I've not worked my way through all of it, but let me tell you, that show first off could not be made in 2021. Like people they're trying to cancel him now. Like he's been that guy, you know? And, uh, but that show is fucking hysterical. I know that like, there's a whole thing where, um, you're not supposed to watch the Chappelle show because Dave Chappelle actually doesn't make any money from the streaming rights for it or something like that. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah. he. Yeah. I've heard about that. I think that's um, that's been fixed. Is it on Netflix still? Yes, it's on Netflix. It has to have been because he got all that. He got three of those movies made after that. So yeah, true. I think he won that battle. But anyway, anyway, uh, so on Netflix, I watched uh, the Chappelle Show, and it's wonderful, and it's super duper funny. Uh, very crass, uh, 
a lot of it, a lot of it I had already heard just like from you guys, like you and Jimmy and whoever just like talk about Chappelle skits all the time. And I was always just sort of like, huh, yeah, just like playing along, even though I hadn't actually watched it. Um, but it is uh, super, super. What is your favorite sketch so but, far? I'm trying to think. Um, it has to be the uh, the black KKK leader, the blind man. Oh, the blind <laughs> black white supremacist. Yes. That shit was so fun. We want to see your face. And, like they start puking and stuff when he takes his head off. It's so funny. Yeah, I think um, that show came out. I don't know when, but I think we were in early high school. And so mm-hmm. I mean, it was w- well ahead of its time. I can remember uh, our friend Chrissy, who's since moved to Seattle and works for Xbox um, many, 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 many years ago. So I, she was around talking about that show. So that's how old it is. But uh, yeah, it's foundational. Um, absolutely. A wonder to behold. I yeah. quote that show all the time to this day. Like uh, if someone even mentions boxed wine, I just immediately go box of wine puts me right out like Dave, Dave Chappelle's white person voice will always get a laugh out of me. Yeah. Or the, uh, the, the racial draft, yeah. um, that recurring skit. Yeah. A lot of that stutter. It's just ingrained. Like Andy said, it's just ingrained in the cultural mm-hmm. subconscious now. Fuck your couch. You yeah. Know what I mean, Charlie yeah. Murphy. <laughs> Charlie Murphy. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I, I, a hell of a drip. <laughs> the Chappelle show on, uh, on, on Netflix, uh, not with his, the, the current zeitgeist around Dave Chappelle, notwithstanding, uh, you should absolutely, uh, give the Chappelle show a watch. If you like me had not up to this point, despite it being everywhere. Um, other than that, I also watched a little thing on Amazon prime called psych. It is Ooh. an excellent, excellent show. I'm very early on in it. It's essentially like, Sherlock Holmes as a like snarky 20 something. He was very happy to no see this listener, but he's very happy. <laughs> Steve's dancing around and stuff. Uh, we talked briefly about it uh, prior to recording. Uh, Steve is apparently a big fan or became one recently uh, in the process of moving into his new apartment. Uh, While so- I was sitting here waiting for you guys to log onto the call, I was literally watching psych. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Psych had a new movie just drop recently. Uh, so the show got canceled some time ago. I think there's like eight seasons of it. Um, but in the time since it was canceled, there's been like three movies, I think. Um, and the newest one just came out uh, very, very recently. And so it's kind of in the cultural conversation again. And I was like, oh, yeah, I never did check that out. And it is like very, very, very late nineties, just stylistically and how, how people speak and dress. And like, it's surprising that JJ Abrams name didn't pop up at some point during the credits, but, (laughs) um, I, uh, I, I, I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm still very early on in it, but I just, I love smart shows. And so when it like seeing what is essentially a Sherlock Holmes character, the basic concept is that this kid was raised by um, a hard ass father who is a detective and um, taught him like skills of deduction and uh, like instant room reading to recognize uh, like how many people are in there? How many of them are wearing hats? What color are the hats? Like he, he just like, raised him essentially to be a Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, he, um, 
habitually apparently will call uh, the police with tips when he sees like he's watching TV and there's an interview on the news where uh, um, some speakers were stolen from the store and he's like making out with this girl and stops to call the police and be like, the manager did it and then hang up. And then he ends up getting uh, accused of the crimes because he had new information that nobody else could. Uh, And so when they're like, you need to explain to us how it's possible because you're our number one suspect, how it's possible that you knew that you would have had to have been in on it with them. And he's like, all right, guys, I'm psychic. And he just like convinces them that he's psychic. Uh, with uh, examples of things around them. Uh, he He's like, oh, go into the other holding cell and the evidence to solve that crime are going to be in the guy's shoe. And he had noticed that this guy that had crushed um, the taillight of his girlfriend's car, that she, he had like bits of taillight on his sleeve and saw the dude brush it off and it landed in his shoe. And so he just becomes like a... Uh, a correspond a psychic correspondent for the police, at least in as far as I've gotten. And I've been enjoying the shit out of it, and I would encourage everybody to check it out. Yeah, it's such a wonderful show. It's it's really fun. I I, I will say that uh, uh, when would it come out? It was like two thousand five, two thousand seven was when that first season comes out. Oh um, lord! The first the, the first season or two, there are a couple jokes that's like, ooh, those don't age well. Uh, <laughs> Specifically, it deals with like, like homo- homophobia jokes, like like oh, I'm not going to shower with a dude, that type of thing. Yeah, but uh, 2006. Yeah, but like it, overall, it's such a fun little silly show. Like uh, my, it's my mom's favorite show. So every time I like wanting, if I'm like homesick or if I miss my mom, I'll like turn on Psych and watch that a little bit just to remind myself of her. Yeah, um, that's what I've been streaming. All right. Is that me now, Chris? Steve, what have you been streaming? Dude, I've been streaming so much. I know you and I have some crossover, so I'm going to start off with the stuff that I know, I, or at least I think you haven't streamed as well. Uh, and then once we start getting into the crossover, we can we can bounce ideas. Uh, the first show I watch, and a lot of these shows are like the first episodes of n- brand new th- things. So the the first one I want to talk about is a little show that you can stream right now on Apple TV Plus. It is called The Shrink Next Door. It stars Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd and Katherine Hahn. Um, apparently, it's based off a podcast. Uh, I don't know the name of the podcast it's based off of. They, they show it up at the end, but I, I didn't write it down, unfortunately. But basically, it's a story about a guy, a guy named Marty who's played by Will Ferrell, who's this kind of um, really, really nice guy. He works at a fabric store that he's recently inherited by his uh, uh, recently deceased father, but he's like this, he's so nice that he lets people just walk all over him. And he, um, he starts having panic attacks as an adult. So his sister played back Catherine Hahn suggests that he starts going to a, uh, a therapist who is Dr. Ike played by Paul Rudd. And it's this, uh, therapist who seemingly, um, sticks up for Will Ferrell's character. He, he helps him out in the first episode. He helps him kind of like, um, break free of his ex-wife. And but but the way it's filmed, you understand right away that the the relationship between these two people does not end well because it keeps flashing forward and backwards to like present day and when they first met. So when they first met, it's all fun and rosy. But in the in the in the, or, uh, beforehand, it was all fun and rosy between them. But present day, Will Ferrell's like breaking into this guy's house and breaking shit. Um, 
And it's an interesting show because, I mean, A, it's Will Ferrell playing a semi-serious role. And I think uh, Will Ferrell doesn't get a lot of credit for being able to do those type of things. He's mostly known as, you know, the comedian that's like a, just a big, dumb baby in a lot of his movies. Um, uh, and then also, more importantly, Paul Rudd, who is literally the most likable human being in the face of the earth, is seemingly playing a villain in this in this uh, show so i'm really excited to see where this goes and just to see how smarmy his character becomes because you get glimpses of it even in this first episode that this guy is not on the up and up um so that is uh the shriek next door on apple tv plus have either of you guys heard of the show yeah i've been really excited to check it out i've heard a couple interesting things that it's bizarre that their roles in the show are not reversed and um secondly that it's not it's shockingly not funny and not supposed to be Mm -hmm. which is kind of put me off of trying it out, but I'm a fan of Will Ferrell's forays into serious drama. So, but I did expect it to be quite a riot with those two for sure. I I wouldn't say it's not funny. It's definitely of more mellow, almost like, you know how stranger than fiction was it like stranger than fiction was funny, but it's not a riot. Yeah. It's, I would, I would kind of compare that to this as well, at least in the first episode. I love Stranger Than Fiction, so I am yes. sold. I, di- I didn't know about the show, so it just dropped, right? Like a week ago? I think it dropped several weeks ago because there are five episodes available on Apple TV Plus currently at, at the time of recording. Oh, I see. So, And I, I, I hadn't heard of it. The three episodes at once thing that Amazon does, though, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they might have. Yeah, because I hadn't heard of the show either until this, this past week. I think it's been about, it's been about two weeks, I think. Yeah. I just looked it up. Steve, the podcast is also called The Shrink Next Door. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, apparently this is a... a and one thing that really cracked me up, because in the trailers, the way this film is shot and the way people are dressed and just like, if you look at Will Ferrell and what he looks like, I would have assumed this show would have taken place in the 70s. But it's supposed to take place in like 2010, which I thought <laughs> was kind of interesting. Like, oh, okay. I was not expecting that. <laughs> This is what it's like to get old. 2010 is now a period piece. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when Avatar came out, son. <laughs> I three D when movies became three D. <laughs> we got more what D's in our moving there, pictures. Uh, so this is. I always feel bad bringing this type of stuff up. But I think this is appropriate because it's amazing. So this is a video game. Uh, it is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a video game that dropped, I believe, on PlayStation and Xbox. I don't think it's on Switch. Um, and I don't typically like bringing up video games on the podcast because we're streaming things. But I think this is an important thing to bring up because even though this is a game, I feel like this is very much more a movie than anything or like a very nice TV show. In because this essay, I will. What? You've seen those tweets where it's like, in this essay, I will. Oh, it's oh. a joke. Anyway, it didn't land, so it doesn't matter. Same with it. Dude, uh, double <laughs> I, down I on it. Double down. <laughs> double down on it, man. <laughs> but no, it's, it's really, really great because it plays out like you start off in the Milano, the spaceship that the Guardians are, and you're literally just walking down, walking around the, the ship, and you can have individual conversations with, with Groot, with Gamora, with Drax, with Rocket Raccoon. Oh, how do and your conversations with Groot go? They're, they're scintillating, you know? They're, he's, <laughs> he's very wise. He's a wizened man. Um, but even though while you're walking around and you're not directly engaging with these characters, they're engaging with each other the entire time. So there's so much written dialogue in this in this uh, game that 
never really repeats itself. It's always new. It's always, it's, it's pretty incredible. And you have the action scenes where you play in the game, but the fun for me is in the narrative of this game. It's so dense. It's so big. They do, they do this incredible thing where if you have seen the Marvel, so I don't know anything about the guardians card or uh, comics. Never read them. All I know about the Guardians franchise is what the movies that Marvel have made. So if you go into the game knowing just those movies, I think that's perfect because they do this incredible thing where the main cast of characters, Rocket, Groot, Drax, Gamora, Star-Lord, you know who they are because they act pretty much exactly how they act in the movies. But the world that they inhabit is much more comic book based, I assume, because uh, there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of relationships that are vastly different from the movies. Um, and it's so it's like it's like revisiting Guardians of the Galaxy and experiencing it for the very first time again with a new fresh set of eyes, which is so wonderful because you get to have these jokes and the fun time that the movies brought to you, but like in a completely different context. And it's so interesting. Cause you're like, what's that about? Oh, that's neat. Um, and the gameplay is not that bad either. So if you're one of those people who I, I if you can't play the game, I, I know you can go on YouTube and just look up all like the different you can watch someone play the storyline if you just want to experience the story of the game. And I highly I, I suggest that if you're not a gamer, because I think a lot of people will get a lot out of this, especially if you're a big fan of this of the Guardians franchise. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about this game. I just can't afford it. I have it and just have not had time to uh, play it yet, but I, I, I've played it a tiny, tiny bit. I can't stand the jump mechanic. I hate it. It's one of those jump mechanics where like your character just launches into the air without their knees bending. And for some reason that drives me insane. <laughs> um, but uh, the little bit that I played was uh, pretty great and very, uh, it, it seems like they really nailed like the tone of guardians, but I'm too early in to have an honest opinion about it yet. The, the one excited to. The one thing that I'm not a huge fan of is like, so you play as Star-Lord and then the other characters are just with you along on the journey. Um, and you, but you can command them like Rocket, do your move. Gamora, do your move. But you're, you're piloting Star-Lord for 95% of it. And you, you build up a special meter. So you hit your special move. And what that initiates is one of the most uncomfortable, at least for me, the most uncomfortable thing in a video game ever, where it goes into a first person perspective. So you're looking through the first person view of star Lord, the other guardians run up towards you and they create a huddle and everyone huddles up and the guardians, like the other guardians say something to you, like Drax, be like, oh, I'm so happy that we're killing everybody. And, <laughs> and you listen to what they say. And then you have to give them a speech and you have two different dialogue options to like, you know, arouse their spirits. And if you answer correctly, that gives them all Whoa. a boost. Uh, if you answer incorrectly, you won't, you're the only one who gets a boost, but it's so uncomfortable because it's four characters just staring dead eyed into the camera, just waiting for you to say something. And I'm just like, <laughs> why is everyone looking at me? Please stop. I don't, <laughs> I don't like this, please. But the, but the good thing is, is when, when you answer and you start fighting again, it cues up a song from Peter Quill's, uh, playlist so there's something beautiful about fighting a bunch of aliens while uh everybody wang chung tonight is playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> so yeah gardens of galaxy check it out if you can uh now we're getting into the stuff that i know chris and i have some overlap on so i'm going to start off with a little movie that dropped on netflix called uh, red notice starring ah. dwayne the rock johnson ryan reynolds and gal gadot 
Chris, what did you think about this movie? I, I think I mentioned it briefly last week that I wanted to watch it and that it was getting buzzed as one of the worst movies ever made. I don't <laughs> maybe uh, I might have only mentioned that after we stopped recording. Like, hey, did you guys hear about these tweets? This is crazy. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's fair at all. I think uh, this movie is the perfect sit if you want to turn your brain off and and just laugh and watch a movie. Uh, I think that all of these actors um, are doing exactly what they're paid to do and their most uh, popular persona. Gal Gadot is her character from, from Fast and Furious and uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is just Dwayne the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. The Rock Johnson. Just and then Ryan Reynolds Ryan is Ryan Gosling Reynolds. is just confidently wisecracking his way through the, all the shenanigans. Is and, Ryan Gosling in this? Oh shit! Different, <laughs> different sex piece. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, different piece of man, <laughs> is uh, uh, wisecracking his way through the movie. I had a blast. I laughed a bunch. The action was fine. It was fun. Um, this is actually the most, supposedly by Netflix's metrics, um, the most watched movie or the biggest debut ever on Netflix. Really? Um, and it, it costs like two hundred million dollars to make, which is probably just those three salaries. For the most part, yeah, seriously. Um, there's one scene where the CGI looks kind of rough, and everybody's just ripping it apart. Like, it's a whole bunch of Which nothing scene is that? happens in this movie. Uh, the scene with the bull. Oh, uh, okay. Like yeah, I said, it just looks kind of rough. It's. I think everybody's. I wouldn't. Really yeah, unfair. I wouldn't say that's any worse than any other really movie that has some yeah. subpar of CG. It's not terrible. I had a blast with this movie. It, you know, if you just want to watch it and not like engage your brain a whole lot or watch it on a plane or, you know, it's just like the, the Charlie's angels remake. Right. Uh, I know I'm a case two fanboy, So it's probably why I love that movie, but it's another example of something like if somebody came from the future and take was your like, drink, we got a case all of our mentioned. artistic media from ages past. Give me something to take to the denizens to educate them on the human achievement. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be red notice or the Charlie's angels remake motherfucker. But why are you putting that kind of pressure on me? If he came from the future and was like, I'm really high. I want to just chill out <laughs> for a minute. That is what I would give him. You know what I mean? So yeah. there, there's that. There's my review. What'd you think? I, I wasn't super into it. I, I I mean, it's not a bad movie. I like if someone were to tell me this is the worst movie ever made, I would call them a fucking liar because it's not. It's just, It just wasn't my type of thing. Um, my fear is that this is going to be a better Uncharted movie than the Uncharted movie is going to be because um, it is surprisingly a, a, an Uncharted thing if, you, if you're familiar with that property, which I was kind of shocked going into. Um, and I mean, everyone's likable. I mean, you like The Rock, The Rock's The Rock. If you like Ryan Reynolds, he's Ryan Reynolds. If you like Gal Gadot, she's Gal Gadot. They're, they're, they're not trying to be anybody else. They're just like, here are these personalities that everyone likes. Let's put Make them kiss. Put them together. Um, <laughs> make them kiss. Make them kiss. Toys bashing their faces together. Uh, this movie did something happen in this movie that kind of unlocked something in my brain. I'm like, oh yeah, that happens in every one of the Rock's movies, and it's kind of funny. Every single Rock movie or Dwayne Johnson movie, sorry, this has to happen, right? Because he's such a giant man. There has to be a scene where he's like. Someone goes, this is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's our, he's an analyst. And then someone has to say, you don't look like an analyst because you look like a giant rock mountain. And the rock has to go, I get that a lot. Like that happens in every single movie because he's just, he, he's not a normal human being. So it's like, hello, I'm an art gallery person. You don't look like an art gallery person. You look like a fucking pro wrestler. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> Oh, that's weird. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it, looking it, pro wrestler. It was fine. It was fine. I, I, I thought there were elements of uh, of cinephile movie lover. Um, I did fan like, service in it that I appreciated. Ryan obviously. Reynolds specifically has a really good MacGuffin joke. Yes, in it that yes. made me chuckle quite a bit. <laughs> I guffawed right after he whistles a very popular film tune. Yes, uh, yes. So I I got a good kick out of that, and I kind of knew you would. So I'm glad you watched that movie. All in all, you know, again, if you're looking for a, a good sit, as we say, yeah. and you don't want to you know, turn your, engage your brain too much. And you really, really just hate yourself. If you rewatch the office again, <laughs> turn on red notice. Chris, do you want to say something? It sounds, that sounds like a very personal thing. <laughs> um, anything else about red notice? No, no. Okay. Well, uh, the next thing I filmed is something that we, uh, you filmed it. No, sorry. <laughs> I wish. Uh, the next movie is an, another movie you can stream on Apple TV plus. And that is, uh, Tom Hanks's Finch. You watched Finch. I watched Finch. Me too. It was it was pretty good. It was fun. It was okay. It was yeah. okay. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. That's it was a good movie. It's one of those movies where, like, when it wrapped, I was like, "Did we resolve anything?" Okay, the the journey was okay. <laughs> yeah, I was mean, Tom Hanks still a treasure? Always. That was, that was the question. Always and forever. Oh yeah. Tom Hanks wears this amazing suit with a fedora hat at one point in the movie. And it's randomly like, and for no conceivable reason, but I comes out like Richard Attenborough. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Richard Attenborough <laughs> sitting on a lawn chair, just throwing a ball with his dog. And I was like, yeah, this is, I want to, that's what I want to be when I'm Tom Hanks's age. <laughs> for sure. But no, it was um, fun. The, the, the special fun. effects were surprisingly good considering that there's a CGI character. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was fine. It, it, it didn't like hit me. There wasn't really any emotional beats in the movie that really like hit me. Like I didn't find myself wanting to cry, even though the movie wanted me to do that, you know? Um, and, but it was interesting cause this movie, I don't know if you know, this Andy is directed by Miguel Sapochnik. Um, I if, did know that if you don't remember audience, uh, Miguel Sapochnik, you might know him from all the good game of Thrones episodes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not all the good ones, the, the most famous giant battle ones. Yes. Yes. The big ones, uh, which is funny because this movie is pretty subdued when you compare it to that. Yeah. There's like, it's just Tom Hanks, a dog and two robots in an RV going across the country. Basically, you know, that, that was my biggest problem with the movie. I wish it had been less. I know it's not what it's about, but I wish it had been less cerebral. Um, there's a really good sequence where they're being chased by some other faceless apocalyptic denizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a bit of a car chase, but it's, it turns into a horror movie and it's really effective. And I wish there had been more of that. Like, yeah, like 60% of the movie should have been that. And then it would have been my top 10 of the year list. It was really clever in that regard, but most of it's just, just a man struggling with his own demons and, you know, wanting to make sure his dog's taken care of. And uh, I, I, I would assume for dog lovers, uh, this is the movie they wanted. I am legend to be right. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there's that. But yeah, it was, it was totally fine. Um, it, it's, yeah, there's worse ways you can spend a, a lonely Friday night, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up we have on Netflix, we have cowboy bebop. Bebop? Bebop? Is that how you pronounce watched, it? Cowboy Bebop? Watched, yeah, I think it is Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> uh, this, so this show, I'm really excited to see what you think, Chris. I've only seen the first episode, uh, but this show has been getting so much flack online, and I'm pretty sure yeah. you have watched a lot more than I have. And and mm-hmm. I know you you like it, right? I do. I do. 
Uh, I think the reason that I like it is because I'm not a, a decades long fan of the anime. And I would imagine that anyone lambasting this, this show is coming at it from, Oh, they messed this up or this character's too weird or they, they drop that out or um, an anime is typically unadaptable material. And it's very dangerous to try. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's racially insensitive. A lot of times, all kinds of considerations when, when trying to touch anime and there's things you can do with animation that are just almost impossible to film or very expensive to film. Um, so I, I applaud them for even trying because even as far as anime is concerned, Cowboy Bebop is uh, strange. I mean, it, it is cowboys in space doing bounty, bounty hunter things to jazz, around to jazz, right? Like, so it's those three elements um, with a Japanese twist. So it's, it's really interesting to even try, mm-hmm. but having never experienced the anime, I did watch both the pilot of the anime and the pilot of the new show to try to get a sense. And I watched the new adaptation first. It follows so it pretty closely. See. Huh? It, the, the main beat of the first episode of the anime is pretty close to what the main yeah, story of it was this interesting. Is. And the differences that I saw seemed either necessary or at least just clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the show. I laughed when I was supposed to laugh. The action was interesting. I, watching Harold from Harold and Kumar do karate and gun <laughs> things is funny to me. And, you know, I like space stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I've only watched the pilot, but it did the pilot's job. I'm going to watch more. So yeah. there's that. Yeah. I'm going to watch more. I really like the, the opening credits is so well done because it's, it's still in that similar style as the anime. And I think that's one of the things that set the anime apart is that jazzy style, you know? And I think they nailed that. The rest of the show really reminded me of something about it. I think something about the way it shot reminds me of Sin City. Um, oh, a hundred percent. I had that same feeling. Like if this is, um, where it gets corny is on purpose. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know what I mean? This is noir. This is, this is, I'm in for it. You know what I mean? It's the same thing for when you're watching sin city, at least the first one, Oh, I got my mitts. Like it's just, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's fun. I love it. What do you mean? Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm signed up. I'm going to keep it. watching it. Um, I we I did get a text from one of our listeners today that was like, I didn't want to believe the critics, but Cowboy Bebop is disappointing. John Cho is fantastic, however. Um, so I'm interested to see like if there's going to be a point in the show that'll lose me because at least in the first episode, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm digging it. It's not the best thing is, in the world. Is but that listener a longtime fan of the anime? I think so. I think she is. Yeah. Yeah, I really think that's going to be the deciding factor on the level of enjoyment because this is a really neat idea and so since i'm fresh to it i'm like what a neat idea but longtime fans are like no shit you know (laughs) (laughs) you should have seen the original it's way better right so i'm i plan to finish the show and then go back and and watch the anime in its entirety and see the differences uh but yeah big fan so far uh, and lastly, um, this is something I know that both of you were super excited about. Um, I didn't know anything about it going into it, I but I dove in last night and watched the first episode. You can stream this on Amazon Prime, and it's called The Wheel of Time. Oh, shit. No need to sing it, I don't think. I no, 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 no. The Wheel of Time. The Wheel of Time. That I feel is like the name like of the show. Cock rock. <laughs> With Rosamund and Pike. She's in the wheel of time. Uh, I'm going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Belt it out, Andy. Let's hear it. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I did not like this. The first episode when it ended, my first thought was, thank God that's over. I was just some, I was just not feeling it. Um, there's something about newer uh, TV show properties that take place in olden times, but they have like incredibly attractive people that don't look like they belong there. Really bugs me and takes me out of it. And everyone's talking about stuff that I don't understand what's happening. And then the 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 orc characters who look like pitbull man bear pigs show up i was like oh thank god those things look cool um, <laughs> they look like pitbull like the hip-hop artist yes <laughs> they started <Literally>. singing <laughs> he comes um, out singing y'all think i just started but i've been here it's weird but <laughs> uh those things came up i thought they were really neat but like it wasn't enough to save it i don't know if i'm gonna keep watching this just because i just don't think it's for me but what did you guys think? Um, I watched all three of the first. The, so they dropped all three episodes day one. And I, that was the day I was up at like 430 in the morning. And uh, I really, really wanted to love this. Um, but coming to think of it, I don't think I liked the Robert Jordan books much either. I, I know that he eventually passed away and uh, an, another huge fantasy writer named Brandon Sanderson took over. Um, and those, uh, apparently the whole series is hit or miss. Some of them are genius. Some of them are okay. And some of them are actively bad. I only ever read the first book. Um, so coming to, I was talking to Lauren Galloway from IGN on Twitter about the show. And we had kind of had the same thoughts. Like it's not terrible, but I don't think I really love this. I'm not even sure that I like it. And that's kind of my thoughts as well. Like some parts of it really worked for me. Um, and some of it didn't. It just seemed like the, some of the effects are really cool. I love Rosamund Pike. Um, I can't believe they got her to do this, to be honest with you, because the script's right. not super strong. Um, her and, and uh, what's his name uh, from Game of Thrones are like the only two actors that I know. Oh, the guy that played Roose Bolton? Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's good because, you know, they used like Sean Bean and then a bunch of unknowns for um, Game of Thrones. Right. So th that's kind of how you keep the cost low and mm -hmm. kind of discover some new stars. I think my problem is that none of the characters seem to care about what's going on. And so yeah. why should I be expected to? Uh, it's a really passionless script. And, uh, and, and I don't like Rand, the, the actor. I actively, It's like a Hayden Christensen issue for me. Um, who, who is that? Rand is like the main protagonist, um, like the kind of reddish, reddish hair. He's oh. in love with the oh, other yeah. girl. Uh, he's the main character looking boy um <laughs> i don't really like him and so i'm kind of having an anakin issue or i'm like uh you, you gave some subpar talent a really prominent role in this um i don't know I, like i said I, I watched all three of them and i will watch episode four so there's that but i do not love this and uh, i actually didn't didn't love the pilot to game of thrones either right so i don't know how long before i absolutely fell in love with the adaptation um, but I, I don't know. I think it happened before episode four, but I don't recall to be honest with you. So I'm willing to give it some more, some more chances, but it, this world is just, again, it's so passionless and the world building building is not uh, dense enough for me to like, forgive that. And it's sexless. And it's just like, there's no, there's nothing there to it. It's all just CGI and, and pig monsters. And I, there's no like, human gray areas and all the shit that I love in my stories. So anyway, that's my quick review of wheel of time. Andy, did you see it? Uh, no, no, not yet. And 
I don't know what to think uh, based on how you guys were describing it. I'm not sure that I want to. I mean, I'm going to, but I don't know if I want to. <laughs> like one thing that really, because if you go back and watch the first Game of Thrones, I know it's hard. It's it's not really fair to compare a lot of stuff to Game of Thrones because that is such a, especially the earlier seasons, that's such a high echelon show, right? Um, but if you go and watch that first episode, so many of the characters, like they look like they live there. They look rugged. Everyone, even though there's attractive people playing these roles, they look like they believably live in this medieval setting the 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 castles and everything look real um there's a lot of realism in it and I, and you they don't have to go for realism but a lot of the actors that they cast literally look like victoria's secret models that just like put on a fucking rag like oh my lord i am also in the medieval times like no you fucking don't you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of like this reminds me of I did not expect this show to be Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. Like, I'm not saying that everything has to be one of those two things. I wanted it to be its own thing, but it reminds me of, I'm trying to to describe this difference without being an elitist, but it's kind of like when you stumble on a similar type show um, on like a stars or a, the sci-fi channel. And it, there's just a slight difference and it's just it's a little dumber and a little too polished like steve sand in certain areas they just didn't work as hard on costume design and it's like you watch star trek and you're like oh i love this and then you go watch andromeda you know and it's got kevin sorbo and it's it's just like i don't know this is who who recommended this to me um we just Did lost the one that Andromeda that fan. That joke was for you, but I wasn't we, sure. We just lost was... the one Andromeda fan that listened to the show. Or <laughs> just love it's got Kevin Sorbo, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Hercules. <laughs> or like another example would be like, oh, I love the movie Gladiator. I'm going to check out Spartacus, and <laughs> it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of difference that I'm feeling here, and I'm a little disappointed especially with, with Rosamund Pike involved and, and the source material that they have to work with. So again, I'll watch episode four, but I might not go beyond that if it doesn't like get some real um, depth and, and, and plot, like some conflict amidst the characters other than just magical, mystical beasts. It's not interesting to me at all. Yeah. The dark Lord. But uh, uh, Chris, what, what have you been streaming other than that? Well, I'm going to try to hurry it up so we have some time for old Paul Thomas Anderson. But even if we have a Crossing Streams riff episode, it's our show, right? Uh, I watched uh, like a psychopath, uh, the pilot of a bunch of different series that I hope to finish this week. But I do have the time. So I watched all the things that we mentioned together. I also started Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, uh, that show that old Steve's been watching. And you were right, man. That's that's a really clever show. Surprisingly clever um, I didn't like the twist at the end of the pilot, I don't, but it, it's supposed to be like a murder mystery twist. Like, oh no, that's an element I didn't consider. Um, but it almost like threw a stick in, uh, in a sandcastle that I was already enjoying. Like, I, I like the shape of it already. Oh, you're going to get a lot of those, <laughs> but I'm really intrigued. I like the, like the whole podcast setup. Um, I didn't know that I needed more Martin short in my life until I saw this show. <laughs> like I was totally okay. Never having any more spicy Martin short sprinkled into my day. But now that he has been thrust upon me, I really like the taste. Does that make sense? That's the best way to enjoy Martin short is to get it <laughs> thrust upon you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really, in the dynamic, the whole dynamic of him and Steve Martin and then Selena Gomez, um, 
that's like, uh, you know, that's not, again, that's like when somebody, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yeah. Like Jimmy suggested that I, I fry my grilled cheese sandwich with mayonnaise instead of butter on the outside of the bread. And that's kind of like, what do you want Selena Gomez to be in this show? You know? And I'm like, did you not to com- compare her to mayonnaise. I was going to say, did you like, just compare her to mayonnaise? Cause that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to call just, her and tell her you said that. I'm just saying it's delicious and surprisingly so. Uh, I also watched the pilot to Dope Sick, also on Hulu. Um, it's the, the the show about the the Sackler Sackler family and the uh, uh, the Purdue company that invented OxyContin uh, and changed the world forever. At least this country. Um, that's if you go to the doctor nowadays, you'll see this like ten smiley face chart of what kind of pain level you're at, and that this was part of that whole movement and like healthcare has changed forever into pain management and uh, subsequently uh, thrust the country into a dark age of opioid addiction um, that I myself succumbed to. I mean, it changed my life forever. Uh, I, I, I chewed and snorted a whole lot of Oxycontin in the early aughts and uh, I've been sober almost 10 years now, but definitely changed my life for a long time. So this is about the invention of that pill and how that family uh, and I hate to use the word evil because I'm a very, again, gray area type of person, but it's hard to imagine a family that's been millionaires for a century, knowingly lying and saying that they've invented a non-addictive opioid and selling it to doctors in small towns to prescribe for everything to, uh, from insomnia to like major, you know, c- cancer treatment and then everything in between. Like they just, they thought it was the cure all drug. Uh, they didn't think that I, I'm that's, that, that's what I'm saying is they knew it wasn't, but they sold it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they bribed the FDA to give it a special label. Um, this, this show stars Michael Keaton. Uh, it, it's, it's really sad for obvious reasons because it's very accurate and it's depiction of a destruction of normal, happy families in small towns. Um, but I'm definitely excited to finish it. It's a story that needs to be told. And uh, I think this is the first dramatic recreation of that there's been a few documentaries recently, but um, it's very interesting and obviously close to my heart. So I enjoyed that very much. Uh, I'll try to move as quickly as I can. I watched Big Mouth season five as a show I've been trying to get you guys to watch since season one for about four years now. I've seen it. Um, so funny, so good, so necessary. I think season five was their weakest season. They go completely off the rails in this season. Uh, it reminds me of South Park when Matt and Trey became like 300 millionaires and just to said, fuck it, we're going to literally do whatever we want. <laughs> um, like this show, Nick Kroll has lost his mind in this season. Like it's just completely, it's just dicks everywhere. And like the most, the crudest humor he can think of. And it's, it's no longer become like this, joking way of starting a necessary conversation about how we teach sex education in our country and like um, how we become comfortable with our bodies and our natural impulses and has just become dick and fart jokes at times. Um, But, you know, I had a lot of big laughs and I definitely recommend the show to anybody who hasn't checked it out. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Isn't how every, isn't how every conversation goes. You start off with a, Hey, let's start a dialogue about this. And then after a couple beers in, you're like dick and fart jokes. Yeah. Well, after a couple of beers for me, I smoke crack, Steve, uh, as we've discussed. So hey. <laughs> potato, <laughs> potato, my man. <laughs> I like throwing out attic jokes whenever possible. Uh, I also threw one. Uh, I tossed a coin to my Witcher, Steve, uh, and watched Fanboys. Um, I think it's like a 2010 movie. Uh, Everyone about, on this uh, episode has given me a coin. Like, Andy's <laughs> giving me a coin. You're giving me coins. I'm getting all happy over here. I, 
I saw the movie when it came out, uh, but now that I'm so much closer with so many diehard Star Wars fans uh, and given the movie some time, uh, I absolutely love this movie and it was fun to revisit it. It's about a group of guys that are huge diehard Star Wars fans. And this takes place about a year before uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace comes out. And so one of the kids is dying of cancer and is their mission to break into Skywalker Ranch and watch the film uh, so that he can see it before he dies because he's not going to make it long enough for the movie to come out. Um, and it's got all kinds of good stars. And I had forgotten Seth Rogen was in it playing multiple <laughs> roles, making like fun of Trek roles, fans. Yeah. Uh, I had forgotten that Kristen Bell was in it. I had forgotten that uh, Danny McBride makes an appearance. Uh, Kevin Smith and Jay Muse make an appearance. It's just still haters in it. I think shortly, I think so. Um, and then of course, a bunch of cameos from Carrie Fisher, Billy Dee Williams, um, the guy who played Darth Maul. Um, oh, yeah. Ray Park. Little known fact, he's also the frog guy in, in X-Men. X-Men. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he's also in X versus Sever. <laughs> he's the villain Seems in like that. Not little known facts, sir. Um, Toad? Yeah, I, it was just like high school from what for me was high school nerd culture. And uh, it was really nostalgic and I had a bunch of good laughs. Um, also, real quick. Sorry, Andy. Uh, two movies that you guys saw why I was on my honeymoon. I finally got to visit. I watched Shang-Chi, um, which ah. I think got really good reviews when it came out, but has recently been getting a lot of hate. Uh, I really liked Shang-Chi. I think it might be It's definitely in my top 10 Marvel movies. It might be in my top five. Um, I, just, I can't even really uh, talk intelligently about why other than that i just really wanted to watch this movie like 30 minutes in i was getting invites to play i'm a pretty hardcore competitive gamer uh and i was getting all these texts saying hey may bro you hopping on and uh <laughs> i'm like no i'm gonna finish this movie this is important to me because this is fucking awesome i think the fight choreography was uh really well done and engaging i thought i, I cared about the characters the performances were good it was visually interesting but not like trying to do something a little too different, like maybe the Eternals. Um, it was just really cool. I thought that the way that they utilized the ring's power, which is really kind of amorphous and weird and shouldn't work. Oh, yeah. I absolutely works. I love how um, he uses the rings. It's so cool. Yeah. And the whole dynamic of having to take down your dad, potentially, like all that stuff. Really interesting, mature themes. I love this movie. I think it was really well done. That's great. Uh, even though the third act is a little silly, I didn't even care. I was like, fuck it, there's a dragon. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really, really like this movie. And you guys reviewed it positively as well, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was okay. It was very middle of the pack for me, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I think hey, man, for that's me, all I can ask for is that you didn't hate it. For, for me, like I was going to put this in my top top 10 as well, but that, that last act lost me. Like I, I, it's not, it's not a deal breaker, but like, it's like, ah, I really wish it wasn't that out there at the end with like, Oh, we got a crazy village of Muppet people. Um, <laughs> but the red, the, the preceding two thirds of the movie are dope. It's true. It's true. But it's hard to pull off a third act in a superhero movie. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, yeah, <laughs> I, bet, I bet it would be. Uh, and then finally, I know I've been a busy boy and this is just mentioning movies. I've never, I've seen for the first time. Uh, I watched Candyman, the, Candy. the new Candyman. Uh, it's a sequel, right? Yeah. Not, not an adaptation or a yeah. reboot. Correct. Um, yeah. uh, directed by Nia DaCosta, I think, if I recall correctly, and starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, big fan of his work. And uh, I really love this movie. I, I oscillated at the end. I was watching the credits and I was like, uh, this movie was okay. This movie was really good. 
No, it was okay. And so I'm not sure where I landed on that even still. Uh, I know that I really enjoyed it. It wasn't spoopy. I was never scared at any point, uh, but it was beautiful, really uh, like thematically and visually. I thought the cinematography was great. Um, the score was really good. I like what they did with the story. I don't know if I was just a kid and, and white and socially ignorant. I don't know if any of those themes were present in the original um, I honestly don't, I'm not putting that out there as a joke. I just don't know if they added all of this now, or if I just never got it before. Cause I'd seen the first Candyman a few times that came out in what 92. Um, mm-hmm. but so I respected it for all of that. I thought it was, uh, I really liked the third act and where it ended. Um, again, I don't remember your guys' review while I was in Hawaii, but how would you guys come down on, on Candyman? Uh, I loved it. I feel like it kind of fell apart in the third act, um, as almost every horror movie does. But uh, I, I thought that it was fantastic. And that death sequence with like the art art gallery lady, like the long take panning back from the windows. Best death scene of 2021 by far. Yeah, that was um, so the whole reflection camera work thing was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the direction was super cool. Um, the... Uh, yeah, I, I also am ignorant of the uh, original, and I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but I do not remember a goddamn thing about it. If I have, I just remember hooks and bees, hooks yeah. and bees, hooks man. and bees, baby. <laughs> That's what that it's all about. Boy, uh, but yeah, yeah, I enjoyed I, the shit out of it. I'm on a roll, and I'm really excited. I, just, I do want to plug some stuff that we we should all probably watch. Um, King Richard is the new Will Smith movie about Venus and Serena Williams. It stars uh, John Bernthal as well. I know that uh, Steve's not excited for reasons he can't articulate. He just doesn't want to watch it. But I think it's going to be a surprisingly heartfelt good movie. Um, and like also, tennis. yeah, and Andy likes tennis a lot. Also, Tick, Tick, Boom uh, just came out on Netflix, the musical about the creator of Rent, directed by the creator of Hamilton. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that just feels like must watch material. I'm really excited to watch that. So I'll be talking about that next time we join up. Um, Yeah. Any hoozle. I think that 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 brings our crossing stream segment to a close. And Andy's about out of time. We better hurry to our coverage of, in general, Paul Thomas Anderson in anticipation of licorice pizza. Andy, where are you coming at this Paul Thomas Anderson discussion from? What What are your thoughts on him? What are your thoughts on his movies? I think that Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the best living filmmakers. Um, and I have never seen a movie of his that I didn't love. Um, and so I come at this. Now, I have not seen all of his movies. And I, I thought it might be fun to go through like his oeuvre in chronological order just to like see how he progressed over time. But um, every single one of his movies has been um, an absolute gut punch. That's also occasionally really funny. And um, it's some of the best use of Philip Seymour Hoffman that we ever got. And uh, I, and Daniel I feel Day-Lewis. Like, say what? And Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, totally. I, I just like, we still have Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, he's alive. He's not acting anymore, but he's still alive. You know, I mean, like we're never going to get any more Philip Seymour Hoffman, and uh, we have Paul Thomas Anderson to thank for some of his best work. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot wait for Licorice Pizza because it seems so up my alley. And he has this incredible ability to um, get a performance that you would never expect out of uh, the people that he casts. 
Um, like who the fuck knew that Adam Sandler was an amazing, uh, dramatic actor until punch drunk love. Um, now he did, he also did great in rain over me, but this is like on a whole other level, you know? Um, I still think the Tom Cruise's character in Magnolia is like the best performance Tom Cruise has ever had in his career. Yeah, as well. I was going to, I was going to bring up Cruise and Magnolia. I think that's a, I mean, who would have thought to, to take him out of his paradigm at that point in his career? Yeah, um, absolutely. And to get him to agree to do it. An interesting fact, he was also an eyes wide shut that year. So Tom Cruise had a year where he was able to work with Stanley Kubrick and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. That's um, pretty incredible. Which is, I mean, he's Tom Cruise. He probably was like, of course I did. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so like, uh, licorice pizza has Alana Haim from the band Haim as like the lead character. And that's literally the only movie she's ever done. And she's getting like rave reviews and stuff. And then I, I don't credit her. I haven't seen it, but I don't credit her. I credit him. Every effective he's a man needs a strong oh, man directing no. her. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, he is just the best, and I think that he wrote everything that he's ever directed. I'm not positive about that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. So, like, he's the ultimate auteur director in many regards. Yeah, he's one of those directors that even if I don't quite love or don't even quite like in the case of inherent vice, if I'm finding myself like off on one of his works, it's like, I don't think I don't walk out of the theater and go, I think that's a bad movie. I come out and go, damn, I don't, I don't think I get it. I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Like you just trust them so much. There's only a few directors I can say that about where I leave. And if I don't like it, I'm like, dang, I didn't get it. He's smarter than me. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, his, uh, so I, I think specifically you're, you're kind of referring to not, well, not just in hair advice, but also the master, like, um, his, his movies can sometimes be a little inaccessible that, that that's a conceit that I'm willing to, to share Con, a conceit. I'm willing to concede, but, um, conceding conceits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that he is a treasure. What is yeah. your favorite movie of his? Me. Um, or are you talking yeah, we'll about start me? with you, Andy. Uh, Magnolia. That is a I good didn't one. think you were coming in with that. I think Steve's picking Magnolia, too. Um, yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. Sorry, Steve. Magnolia is uh, an absolute treasure. Uh, it is. The, it introduced the random musical in the middle of a just otherwise serious movie and just like all of a sudden, yeah, let's sing an Amy Mann song. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so fucking just for that alone, uh, it's, it's what my, probably my favorite movie of his, but like, like you guys were saying with, uh, his use of Tom Cruise and that role as the, uh, misogynistic, uh, uh, speaker. I, I don't even know what to call him, but, um, yeah, sort of a motivational speaker, I guess. Cock. Yeah. um i thought that uh william William h macy was uh fantastic in it and again a wonderful wonderful use of philip seymour hoffman playing as like the stay-at-home nurse uh and who we discover is taking care of i believe it's tom cruise's dad right 
Yeah, so yeah. Is that, some daddy issues there. So it's been a hot minute since I've watched it. So uh, a really funny story about Magnolia. Um, uh, if you guys ever listen to Paul F. Tompkins stand up, he has like a great series of stories about how he was supposed to be. He's in a he, he shot a scene for Magnolia that ultimately got cut. But I guess uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was like a huge fan of his uh, improv group at the time. So he would just show up to their theater and be like, hey, you guys want to be in uh, this movie I'm filming? It was Magnolia. And so Paul Thomas or Paul F. Tompkins, excuse me, shows up to his house to what I, he assumes is to like meet about like, what is the role? But when he gets there, he realizes that they're doing a, a table read with all the cast and he hasn't been given a script yet. <laughs> so he doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. And, and he was saying like, he's like, Oh, I'm just out, you know, with the most famous actors in the world, I'm sitting next to Tom Cruise and it's no big deal. I'm not, you know, I'm not freaking out about this at all. And I guess he kept like reading the script wrong because he like just didn't, he hadn't read it before and apparently tom cruise starts a lot you gotta quit making those mistakes bud and he was like do i do i tom do i uh and i guess he got his uh scene cut and paul thomas anderson felt bad so he invited him to be a bit part on uh there will be blood and you <laughs> and apparently in the final cut of there will be blood you only see the back of paul f Tompkins' head and you hear him go like wait sir it was the scene where like the town's kind of like meets with uh daniel plainview and he leaves and like the the organizer of the meeting is paul f Tompkins, and he has this great line in the background there's a shot where like everyone's arguing and you can't really see anybody's faces except for daniel day lewis and it's like slowly dolling into him and like all the people in the meeting are arguing and fighting and you just hear paul f Tompkins go gentlemen gentlemen we gain nothing from losing our heads <laughs> <laughs> he's in it <laughs> But yeah, he, he continues on with this story. Like after Paul, uh, there will be blood comes out. Like all of his friends are like, "Oh man, I saw you in there will be blood. You did a great job." And he's like, "You saw the back of my head. <laughs> I felt like it, when you go to a young kid with a fireman's helmet and go, did you put out the fire? You did a great <laughs> job putting out that fire. Yes, you did.' <laughs> it's hard to emote that well with the back of your head, though. He did a great job. Yeah, he did a great job. Uh, that's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie, just to give the the probably uh, cliche answer is uh, there, there will be, be blood. blood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just that opening shot with that discordant violin, and that ugly ass oil rig. Um, just I already I just sink lower into my chair and just like, oh, fuck, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm an oil man. Like I just absolutely adore that movie. And uh, I can it's got to strike down uh, oil. It's got a more sinister vibe now having experienced COVID, you know i drank your milkshake you know like if i said that to you right now you'd be aghast right? <laughs> <I> would, <laughs> you would have COVID. i would cry um, like paul dano and doesn't seem <laughs> yeah exactly why are you doing this um, daniel i love that movie and uh, like andy i'm so excited for licorice pizza because it seems closer to his um to his earlier work where he was a little more quirky with the comedy um yeah, he got super fucking serious for a hot minute there with Punch Drunk. There yeah, like, was like the master. Boogie Nights is really funny. And uh, Inherent Vice is pretty funny at times in, in an offbeat way. And even Magnolia has its moments. But yeah, There Will Be Blood and The Master was like, oh. <laughs> the Master especially really just brings me down. And I have to watch it again. 
Uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix just creeps me out, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, doesn't he creep be, us uh, all out? Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he does. I don't know. But um, I want to revisit that. I know Andy adores that movie. And that was one of those ones where I was like, I don't think I'm smart enough. Um, oh, my God. It's so fucked up. That scene where they do the, um, the I don't remember what the, it's like processing or whatever, where it's like a giant long one take with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. And he like, is making him answer all these questions without blinking and then having, making him start over every time he blinks. And it's like, Oh my God, it's super fucked up. That's the movie that's loosely based off Scientology, right? And L Ron Hubbard. I think so. Yeah. It's got cult vibes. I mean, it's about a cult for sure. Do you think Um, that made Tom Cruise mad? Right. (laughs) I'm sure it did. Yeah. It's It's also loosely based on all other organized religion. Uh, (laughs) Um, Got him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for licorice pizza. It's given me really like link literary vibes. Um, I think he's going to, to bring back some quirky humor. I didn't know until I was doing some research for this episode and looking at his IMDb that he was such an avid music video director. Um, and I assume that's where he got, he's directed like five Haim music videos. Uh, I don't know if it's before or after he cast her in his movie, but well, really interesting. Go. Just something I didn't know. Uh, I don't actually, I'm not familiar with that, that musical artist. Did he also do Radiohead music videos? Yeah, he did. I mean, he's done a bunch of them. Yeah. A bunch of Radiohead videos, um, which is funny. The, the song creep little known fact is actually about Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) It's also a stolen song from the Hollies. So (laughs) yeah. Dang, he's done a shitload of Hain music videos. I know, he's a big fan now, apparently. You know? <laughs> Not nine of them. He's such oh, a big fan, nine? he was like, will yeah. you be in my movie so I can hang out with you more, please? I want to watch some Hain music videos now, and then the PTA's done them. So two, my two, I have two Paul Thomas Anderson blind spots. It's worth mentioning as well. I meant to watch them. I was going to watch them today. I was telling Steve until I remember we were supposed to watch Beetlejuice for the Patreon episode. And I was like, oh, shit, that's way more important. Um, but I've never seen Phantom Thread which is Daniel Day-Lewis's uh, supposed last movie. Um, but he's had a last movie before. Remember when he went to be a shoe cobbler for a few years and he came back? Um, <laughs> There's not so a lot of money hoping, in the shoe cobbling business. I'm hoping he comes back again. But I've never seen Phantom Thread, which is a crazy blind spot. Um, and I've also never seen uh, Punch Drunk Love, which is uh, Andy is, a, is abhorred of. But um, yes, I'm a big fan of that movie. So I'm but- a- Go ahead, Steve. I'm going to come out of the closet and say I have only seen two Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Oh, shit. Yep. I was looking through his IMDb and I was like, oh, shit. I really haven't seen a lot of his work, surprisingly. I've only seen There Will Be Blood and Magnolia. I've seen parts of Inherent Vice and parts of uh, The Master, but I haven't actually watched them to completion. Hmm. Speaking of completion, uh, I would recommend that you watch Boogie Nights. We've talked about this on the show before that you guys have ganged up on me and yelled at me for not watching Boogie Nights. That was supposed to be one of the first blind spot episodes we did when we really do that. Yeah. I just black out when we gang up on you, to be honest with you. I just become a (laughs) rabid mob. So where's my pitchfork? I have never seen his directorial debut, Hard Eight. True. Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Never seen that. And then I've, I've never seen Inherent Vice or Phantom Threat. So I actually haven't seen a new Paul Thomas Anderson movie in almost a decade. Wow. Will, will Licorice Pizza break that streak? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I do own Inherent Vice, Andy, if you want to borrow it. And we could watch Phantom Thread together. I would love to. But not until I'm COVID negative. Yes. Yes. 
Steve, I would I definitely encourage you to watch Boogie Nights. However, um, I think that more pressingly, you should probably watch Punch Drunk Love with Chris. Aw. Aw. Because that, that, that movie is great. And I felt very seen when I saw it. You felt and seen when you saw it? When I saw it. Mm. <laughs> I had mm. to throw a T on saw. I seen to get it. Yes. It, and it's basically about a dude that deals with uh, social anxiety and uh, tries to, uh, and how like that social anxiety kind of like affects every aspect of his life and um, like makes it difficult to try to form new relationships with people. And uh, not, I, I'm, and I don't deal with anxiety anywhere close to the level that this character does, but um, it's easy to uh, kind of see yourself in the role. Um, and as done by Adam Sandler is it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, again, we get awesome use of Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie. It's a bit part, but it's wonderful. Um, Punch drunk love rules. It's got some funny parts in it too. Like it's, it's, it's not like a com- absolute serious role for Adam Sandler. There there's bits of humor in there, but it's not his type of humor for sure. Yeah, he's a guy. I I wish Adam Sandler would do more serious stuff. Like, I can't blame the dude because he's fucking living the dream. Like, he's making millions of dollars just making goofy fucking movies with his buds. Um, but he did uncut gems. He can turn, yeah, like he can turn it on and uncut gems and like other stuff. Like, he can he can be a powerhouse actor when he wants to. It's just why would you? I mean, if you can just have fun fucking around with your friends in tropical locations, why wouldn't you do that? <laughs> you know, he's living That's the dream. So stressful. It it could have started the COVID virus. <laughs> might have yeah <laughs> that was the last movie that andy and i saw before everything went to shit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i think that's about everything we have to share on our thoughts of paul thomas anderson's oeuvre at least for right now we ran out of time because we were crossing so many streams uh we hope that you join us very soon we got a bunch of good patreon episodes coming up so subscribe if you want to hear those next week in celebration of christmas Hanukkah. we're gonna be watching <laughs> shit <laughs> It's a it's a movie about Christmas made by Jewish people, and it was released on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so, therefore, we're using it to celebrate Hanukkah. It's the night before, starring Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie. What? I no, I don't know. I'm just going on memory and watching it before. Don't worry, we'll watch it. We'll figure it out. It's streamable, I think, right now on uh, on uh, Hulu. Hulu. It's on something. It is Anthony Mackie. <laughs> and yes, it is available on Hulu. Suck it on both counts, Steve. So w- me. watch it before you listen to our episode. <laughs> That's next week. Thank you so much. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Bad. Streaming Bad. Streaming Bad.